Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hey, everyone, this is Jim Baker from Doing Ministry Well, and you're listening to Engaging Missions. Welcome to the Engaging Missions show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. In this week's episode of the Engaging Missions Show, we're talking with Chuck Huckabee about some strategies that churches can use to reach out to the lost online. I think that you're going to find some of his stories quite interesting uh, as we get into this. I also want to mention that he does have a free giveaway, and we're also going to be talking about quite a number of links and resources as we go through this. So you're definitely going to want to stop by the show notes page, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Chuck Huckabee. If this is your first time here, I just want to say welcome. Thanks for being here. It really means a lot to know that you've taken some time to stop by and to listen. My hope and my prayer is that you will be challenged and encouraged and inspired and equipped and will receive some resource or insight from God as a result of what we're doing here, something that equips you to accomplish what God has for you in your life. If you've been here before and you're stopping back and maybe still listening in your web browser, I would like to suggest that maybe you just take a second, click pause, and click the subscribe button below your player. You can have this automatically delivered to your iPad, your iPhone, your Android device, your computer, whatever it is that you use to listen to podcasts. If you have it automatically delivered, that'll help make sure that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. I'd like to think that we have some really interesting stuff uh, planned in the next in the near future, and I'd hate for you to miss out. So just take a minute to click click subscribe. Finally, before we get into the interview, I've got a little bit of news. I have a a previous guest of the show named Tony Hedrick. He founded a group called ACCI, which focuses on missions, as you might have guessed. And he sent me some information about what he's calling a a vision tour for missions in Italy. This is an opportunity to get involved in... uh, connecting with missionaries and the mission work overseas, uh, being able to go to Milan and maybe some places that missionaries and tourists don't typically get to go. You'll connect with missionaries that really have a heart for where they're going. And and also, you'll have an opportunity to sow into ministry because a portion of the cost is going to go toward funding some of the underfunded areas of ministry in the world. A lot of people think about missions and you think about the incredible needs in a place like Africa. 
And those needs are real, clean water, things like that. Those are real needs. But at the same time, the mission work in some of the developed, what we would consider developed areas of the world, um, is, is just as important. While they may not need clean water and clothing, the spiritual need is just as great. So this would be a great opportunity for you to connect with Tony. I think he's a great guy. And also to be involved in a short-term trip like this. I'll have some information in the show notes page, uh, a download of the... Uh, the information that he shared about this particular trip. And if you're interested, just stop by, visit engagingmissions.com slash Chuck Huckabee and grab that. If it interests you, connect with Tony and uh, and see if this is uh, something that'll be a good fit. Or if you know somebody who might be interested in this, please make sure to send it to him. I'd hate for them to miss out just because uh, they maybe didn't hear about this in time. With that, we're going to get right into this week's interview. All right. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. If this is your first time here, I'm Brian, and I am so glad that you're here. If you're back, I'm honored that you stopped by. And I would like to mention that if you're still listening on your web page or whatever, why not just take a second to click that subscribe button right below the audio player so that we can have this show delivered right to your computer, your mobile phone, or your tablet. Now, I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about today's guest. I recently heard from some of you about how much you enjoyed how we have such a wide variety of guests, and today is going to be no exception. Chuck Huckabee is the Minister of Congregational Life in a church in Texas. He's writing a book right now to help churches better engage online. And you might be thinking to yourself right now, now what does this have to do with engaging missions? But I think as we get into this conversation, you're going to discover that Chuck has some really valuable things to share with you, whether it's from his story or also from what he's talking about with his book, things that missionaries, ministry leaders, church planters, or people who are called into the marketplace but really have a heart to minister to people online can use. So Chuck, I know this interview has been a long time coming. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I've been uh, listening to it myself, and that's how I met you. And so I love the show myself. I've been really blessed by all your uh, conversations with people involved in church planning movements. And mine quite like that, but uh, I've tried to learn from them and wanted to get into households. And so part of what we'll talk about today, I hope, is how I've tried to do that given some limitations I have here. So. Yeah, okay. So as we get into talking about your ministry, I think we'll hit that a little bit more. But first off, as we get to know you, um, this this church, you know, where you're at right now, this isn't really your first rodeo. Can you share with us a little bit about your history and ministry and what God's done in your, your life? Well, I, uh, I remember walking an aisle in a Baptist church when I was about six years old. I've, I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family, and that kept me from a lot of things, but it also made me uh, one of those Christians that I've never been able to talk to some people. I just don't have quite the experiences that other people have had. I got real depressed one time. It seemed like all the great evangelists had people, uh, had been people who uh, had a great story, a great testimony, and they were a uh, drunk in the gutter or they were this or that and I was like boy that's not me and uh, so how do I talk to people and that, that's been a challenge and, and sort of, that's sort of why I've gone the direction I have but God spared me from a lot of things um, he called me to uh, ministry when I was in uh, college I went to uh, seminary after college and like a lot of your listeners, 
I have I was not a full-time minister until I got out in 1984. I was not a full-time minister until 2012. I was bivocational, um, and some would say uh, maybe you use the word avocational. Uh, it just depends how busy I was at the time, but <laughs> I was a bivocational minister uh, in a variety of settings in West Virginia, um, Philadelphia, uh, and uh, Tennessee. Uh, even a bivocational wannabe church planner. Not that I was uh, ever that great, I, but I, I, I've tried that. It's it's hard to do bivocationally, but I took a stab. So I know I can empathize with a lot of your listeners. Yeah. So you know, as as you were mentioning early on, I think we probably just need to go there. You mentioned that there are some limitations to how you're currently able to approach ministry, and you have a heart for a church planting, multiplication type thing. So, can you share with us a little bit about what the limitations are in your current ministry, and then what you've been able to do in that? Well, uh, oddly enough, being a full time minister has its limitations. Uh, we can get so preoccupied rightly with caring for the people that we have, uh, running the activities we have, that I could go through a whole week and never have to talk to someone who wasn't in my church unless I'm running through like a drive-through lane to get a coffee or something. You know, and even then, those aren't real conversations, are they? They're just, no. hey, how you doing? Thanks for the coffee. Okay, bye. <laughs> so, my biggest problem sometimes as a minister is how to have a time to have spiritual conversations where I can talk about Christ in a favorable setting that's not confrontational or adversarial. So how do I do that? How do I meet people like that? Um, and, and, you know, if I think about it when I'm in the checkout line, but, you know, usually there's 20 people behind me and it's like, you know, it just, how do I do that? You know, um, the, if we learn one thing from, uh, the church planning movements, we've learned, hey, Luke 10 is still a really good way to meet people. And I wondered how, how can I do that in a way? How can I get into homes in a way that, uh, I can do, I can sort of manage to do inside of my schedule? and that it'll actually fit with the things I'm doing for my church. And in our church, it's uh, originally we're a German colony, and a German tradition, and it's a widespread Christian tradition, is a house blessing. And I thought, well, that's what I could do. And so that's how I, I started offering going into homes and praying for people and where they live. And uh, that's how I started breaking out of my little cocoon to try to meet new people. So now that seems like something that might get you a little bit of flack in some circles to basically advertise your services for house blessings. How, how are you able to approach that and to, to bring unity? Um, well, of course, well, for one thing, when you're pastoring a, uh, an existing church, I think it's always wise to look to the history of the church uh, the traditions, the you know successes of that church tradition, and try to help people realize that what you're doing flows from 
who they are, the people that God called them to be. Now, my church was the founding church of our community. The first service was the day the town started. Um, there was no church here for years, for several years. Uh, so I, I say, folks, we started at the heart of our community. And if we want to, and of course, now there's plenty of other churches, right? Yeah. And if we want to be, if we want to continue this heritage, if we want to uh, maintain this legacy from God, then uh, how do we become the church at the heart of our community? We, first of all, we're, I'm just doing what our pastors always did was to go to people who wanted their home blessed. And uh, I offered it first to all everybody in our congregation, and some took me up on it, and some didn't. So uh, it seemed to fit pretty well. And I'd say to other pastors, you don't have to mimic me, but there's something probably in the history of your church that God used to help it get started, and maybe you need to go back to that. I knew a church in uh and it between two sister churches, and the way they got started was they had a little uh, Sunday school for the children in that community. And so when they wanted to uh, go in a new direction, they went back to their roots to ask, well, God used us to reach children here the first time. Who are the, who are the new children now that we need to reach? There's something, if you're looking, if you think there's going to be uh, an issue, if I mean, what church, what church faces change gladly? I don't know too many, unless they're just <laughs> brand new. But if you're trying to implement a change, people need to know that it's consistent with what God has done in the past, and that you value who they are as a, the people of God, that you love them and what God has done. And so let's ask God to do it again. So anyway. Wow, that is incredibly powerful. You shared a little bit also about Luke 10. And that reminds me that, you know, sometimes it's really good to hear about the foundational scriptures or the things that guide the lives of other believers. Is there a key scripture or a, some kind of quote or something in your life? Well, um, I guess it just changes by the situation I find myself in. Um, we're going out, I told you before, before we went on the air, that I'm going to do a very special house blessing tomorrow, unlike anyone I've ever done before. And uh, the people at this house, I don't know them, I met them on Facebook. There are some very deep issues there. And so uh, as I go into tomorrow's house blessing, in the morning I'm preaching on Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And so uh, I'd say today that's my special verse because I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit afraid, but I know I don't have to be afraid because I just need to be faithful. I need to be obedient. I need to trust God that he is, he's had this person contact me for a reason. And it may be, hopefully it's a reason to bless with a fresh appreciation of the gospel and the power of Christ. And bless me with that too as I go into a situation that I'm a little bit, a uh, little bit uh, uh, scared, maybe scared about, I don't know. A little bit, if this is just a little bit outside my comfort zone, but uh, I look forward to go, so. 
I guess it just depends on the situation, but that's a good verse. Yeah, no kidding. And for those who are joining us, you know, those who are listening, I did want to mention that, you know, before we got on the air, this is something that Chuck and I prayed about, because I believe that part of my ministry is to pray for the guests before we get on the show. And this is something that's on his heart. And you know what? This is something you can do. It, 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 you don't have to be a special person to pray for a pastor. You can be just me and pray for a pastor. You can, you know, you can pray for anyone and because it's God who's doing the blessing. And I really do believe that God's got something special planned for Chuck and for this, this particular house blessing. I don't know what it is, but I believe that God wouldn't have him doing it if there wasn't something there. Now, Chuck, with that, we do need to make a, go ahead and make a quick break. And then when we come back, we will uh, shift our focus a little bit more toward the ministry and especially toward this book that you've, uh, we've been talking about. Okay. Okay. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, it's Scott McClelland with your Leadership Moment. Leadership, in my book, is all about example. The quality of your leadership will never exceed or go beyond the quality of your example. Not maybe all people think that, but it's something I hold true and close to heart. And it's from that vein of thought I want to talk to you today. And I want to point out something that seems very interesting to me and and challenging at the same time. It'll be something of a little contrast, but hopefully it'll make you think. What does it mean to take delight in weaknesses? You might have heard of this type of language actually found in Second Corinthians. Does this mean, as some would say, that we should be okay when we fall or fail the Lord or compromise or something like that? I don't think so. Uh, might it mean to be in touch with our own humanity? Maybe we're getting closer there. Or to realize that you have much more weakness present within you than you do strength when it comes to your own self. I think maybe we're getting closer even when we think about it that way. I can't think of many things that are more counterculture to the American perspective than this, that we would boast in our weaknesses, because it seems all around us everyone is boasting so much in their strength and their independence and their self-sufficiency. But who delights in hardships? Another snapshot from that scripture. A person who delights in hardships in the realization of their own weaknesses is not the self-assured person. A person who delights in such is a person looking beyond themselves for strength and for assurance. The actual scripture says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here comes the contrast. One of the hallmarks of the generation that we're living in is self-comfort. And this self-comfort parades itself as righteousness. Uh, this is a big deception, in my opinion, that's gaining a lot of strength. C.S. Lewis said, Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it's finding its place in him. And prosperity is just one of the ways that self-comfort takes territory in our hearts. 
Can we say like Paul, I delight in hardships and weaknesses and insults and persecutions and difficulties? I hope we come to know such a life of freedom, such a life of high example. Scott McClellan with your leadership moment. Contact us on FX Missions. Have a good one. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. If you have a leadership question, please send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com and visit fxmissions.com to connect with Scott and discover how you could be involved in short-term missions. All right, we are back with Chuck Huckabee. He just shared what I think is some really, really insightful information and and. I just want to encourage you, if you think about it, pray for Chuck, pray for his ministry, pray for what God's doing, because I really do believe God's got some amazing stuff, and part of it's related to how he's reaching out to the community, but part of it is also related, I think, to this book that he's got going on. So Chuck, why don't you just take a minute and tell us about the book, and uh, also a little bit about the, the, free, the free gift that you have for people who are listening to the show. Uh, well, we, uh, I was doing some work with our own church website. And I found out that there's a lot of things that our church website wasn't doing when people went to the search engines and started looking for a church in our community. So the book, it's still being processed. I have to get it edited. I have to get a cover. Um, but the book is has its own website. It's called SecretSignalsBook.com. And it's about things that churches need to do with their website so that when people are seeking a church, at least their church will have a fighting chance to show up somewhere in the early listings. But the more I wrote about that, the more I realized that that was too passive. Um, in in any given community, you there are tools that you can use to check and see how many people are looking for a new church in your town. But you know, maybe the numbers in hundreds, and uh, you know that's nice. But the truth of the matter is, for every hundred people who are looking for a church, there's thousands of people, maybe even more, who have this profound need. What is it? The need for Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, and that need is probably not manifesting itself in their life as a desire to go to church. It may be manifesting itself as, boy, I'm just grieving the loss of this loved one, of this relationship. I've got this hole in my heart. There's something wrong in my life. How can I find, uh, how can I find change? My life, I'm sure I wasn't made to live this way? Where can I find help? And those are the people we need to be reaching and just tweaking our website so it comes up good in the search engines is nice for the ones who are seeking that, but how we reach out to the people who don't relate their need to a church, but they may be able to see it, it relates to their need for Jesus Christ. And so the free download I have for people is a chapter out of the Secret Signals book, and I'm going to give you a link, especially for our listeners, so they can download the chapter and they can sign up to know when the book is going to come out. There's going to be a time when it's free on Amazon, so I want to be sure to tell people that after it's published. Hopefully it'll be published in, you know, shortly. I don't know when, but... 
So, you know, as I think about this book, there are probably some people who would hear about what you're writing, and they would hear that as, I'm just trying to make sure that I attract people to my church. I'm trying to grow my kingdom. But I don't, I don't think that's your heart at all. Can you share with us a little bit more about what you're trying to accomplish with this? Well, um, for people who want to attract folks to their church, there'll be, there'll be plenty of that in the book. Um, but what I wanted to do, like I said, as a pastor, I can go all week and, and spend all the time talking to just my church members and never meet anybody new. I wanted to get to the point where I was getting into new homes frequently. Maybe it was only just once a week, but that was pretty, that's pretty frequent compared to nothing. I wanted to find a way to get into homes. I wanted to reach out to people. So I started, uh, a ministry of doing house blessings. They're free. We give them a little cross they can nail to the door jam. We have a customized booklet about the scriptures and the prayers that we, we pray with them. Uh, you know, so it's, it's nice, uh, but it gets me out in people's homes that I've never met before having conversations about Christ and how the gospel relates to every area of their life. And, uh, I needed to know how to do that. Now, you may say, well, I don't want to start a separate ministry. That's fine. The chapter that I'm making available online, you you may have a ministry in your church that's going great guns, or could be, like divorce care or grief share, and you're, you know that once people get there, their lives start to change and the gospel starts to transform them. But you're like, how do I find people? And advertising is expensive. Well, that's what this chapter is about, how how to go fishing for people to be fishers of men online. I just, I my big dream was that our church budget would have enough money to do direct mail. So I was just testing this little idea on Facebook. And now that we did include it in the budget and we do a lot of direct mail, I can't tell that it works any better than just the free or inexpensive stuff I was doing on Facebook. <laughs> um, but, but this is this about how to reach out. And it's not just for me. It doesn't just work in America. I was just uh, reading an article. I'm trying to figure out where I uh, got this uh, from. A, a missionary journal uh, from Frontiers. That's who it was from. And during the time of the so-called Arab Spring, uh, there was a wave of change going across the Arab world. And this article from Frontiers talks about how uh, some friend, some missionaries and followers of Jesus posted on Facebook to over 250,000 potential Muslim readers in Facebook groups during this time of upheaval about the life of Jesus. And they had this stream of responses, and you know, we can do that too. It's it's not just over there. We can do that too, and and so this chapter is about how to actively reach out and how to actively uh, create opportunities for spiritual conversations online. I want to I want to get off the cloud and into people's homes personally, but I know that there's people in uh, all over the world who are doing online discovery Bible studies. And I'm going to try to learn how to do that myself. I mean, just over a Google Hangout, 
But I want to, I'm trying to get into people's homes and God's allowed us to do that. So um, either way, there's a lot of things that uh, bivocational ministers, vocational ministers, people can do to help, uh, help themselves reach out to new people. There's ways it can be tweaked to draw people to your church if that's what you want to do. But I'm trying to experiment for myself about ways to actively reach out and get into people's homes on a permission basis. You know, so it's, oh, I'm not the stalker. I'm I'm the invited guest, right? Um, because sometimes we're afraid about people who knock on our doors unsolicited. Uh, so I'm using Facebook to be invited to places. And your listeners can too. And what I'd really like to do, and there's a link at the bottom of this uh, uh, free chapter, I'd like to hear about how your listeners are doing this too. I'd like to have an army of experimenters who are creating and sharing some best practices so we can all do better. So, Okay, yeah. And you know what? I think I forgot to mention, for those listening, there will be a link in the show notes, which would, will be at engagingmissions.com slash Chuck Huckabee. So if you want to stop by, you'll be able to link over to that chapter from there. And you know, Chuck, as I'm thinking about this, it seems like the first question a pastor might need to ask themselves if they're thinking about this is, would Jesus be on Facebook? And if so, what would he be doing? And let's let's just hypothetically say that a pastor has asked themselves this question, and they go, okay, I think that God is calling us to minister on Facebook or whatever social media channel, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm already covered up. How would they empower and engage their lay, their lay ministers to, to be able to do this kind of thing? Well, um, hopefully a pastor has can block out a, at least one two-hour window per, per week to reach out to new people in the community. And if he uh, basically what I do is I spend some of my off time now. Uh, I do have a little bit of money to run Facebook ads, and so they can run 24-7. And they're, they're, they've proven themselves very effective for getting people to sign up for house blessings. Um, but say you don't have money. You know that in your church, you can get on Facebook, even if you don't post anything, you've got all your church members posting pictures of cats and what they're eating and this and you know you've got church members who live on facebook and it almost seems like they're there 24 7. these are people that you can harness that you can i would i don't i i don't think people should be pointing people to their church's facebook page that's more for insiders but if you have a ministry or an offer of a ministry uh, that is reaching out to people. Uh, on my page, I use Grief Share. We had a lot of success with Grief Share, reaching out to people outside our church. I mean, I've had success with a house blessing. There's things you know that you're doing well already that can draw people in. Maybe it's mothers or preschoolers. I don't know. Find the people who are living on Facebook anyway. Create a special Facebook page for the ministry that you know communicates to people outside your church or your community. And then use the people who are on those uh, on Facebook anyway to post to their friends and post to groups in your local area. You know, I, ideally it'll be free, but, um, you know, some sort of free offer. Find those people who are going to be there anyway and put them to work. 
And then all you have to do is have your, uh, I have an app for my Facebook page on my phone. When someone leaves a message, boom, they're asking for a house plus, and I just get on and respond then. So it's just like answering a phone call. Um, or I have a Google form and I get an email. Oh, someone signed up. Okay, I just got to text them now. Boom. So I think that's fairly easy. It's just like scheduling any other appointment for a pastor then. So. As you think about this, you know, one of the key pieces is there could be a lot of activity, but also maybe fruit, maybe not fruit. And maybe it's too soon to ask this question, but I'm wondering, have you seen any fruit in your life and in the life of the church as well as the people you're ministering to in the community? Um, well, that's a good question. I really don't know um, how to answer it. I would say... If, if you go, it's just like any spiritual conversation. If you go in and say, well, I'm like a vacuum cleaner salesman. I can't leave until they buy the vacuum cleaner. Then uh, that makes me very frustrated. I can't work that way. Um, so I'm just say I'm just using this to create spiritual conversations and build relationships. What I would like to do is have a team of people who that when I finish a house blessing, we could say, would you like to learn more about Jesus and do start a series of discovery Bible studies in those homes? I'm not there yet. I do leave a brochure about how to draw near to God with your friends and family, which tells them how to do their own Bible study. Um, my goal Right now, my first goal has been satisfied. I have found a way to get into homes of people that I don't know. When I, the very first one was a, a home of a person, I we started talking to the family and said, well, is there anything else you'd like us to pray for? And the guy blurts out, yeah, I just uh, prayed for my family. I just got back together with them for five days. Uh, you know, I have this terrible... And uh, we're trying to get our family back together. Well, isn't that the kind of house you want to be in with the gospel? Oh, yeah. That's the kind I would be in. My problem has been the follow-up, but at least I had the problem, right? Yeah. So that was not, at least I had the problem now. I didn't have the problem before because I wasn't getting out in the harvest field. So at least I have that problem. And so I'm praying and trying to figure out what to do about the problem, but at least I have it. So... I don't know. That's the best thing I can say. It's changed me. It's gotten some of my people. They're like, hey, we love it that our pastor's going out and not and meeting new people. We love to go out and pray for people. So it's creating change in me. It's creating change in the church. And I think as we find people in need, it we'll start getting uh, we start getting people. Start being able to gather people, probably off-site. Um, I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm laying the groundwork. I think we're laying the groundwork for something good. And just getting out there and going instead of sitting passively waiting for people to come, that's a major breakthrough for our church as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'd like to share a little bit of my perspective, especially for the listeners. You know, in my view, what, what Chuck's talking about here is really allowing themselves to be part of God building his kingdom. And so 
you know, we talk a little bit about fruit, and that was a little bit of a leading question, but in my view, if what they do leads people closer to Christ, even if they go to another church or they, in air quotes, do church according to a different model, if they are growing closer to Christ and they're becoming more Christ-like, whether they're part of Chuck's body or part of another body in, in Christ, I believe that they are accomplishing God's will. And so I do want to just kind of throw that out there. We're not talking about trying to build our own kingdom, our own fiefdom, if you will. We're talking about trying to invest in the kingdom. And I really believe that's what Chuck's got going on here. Now, Chuck, we do need to take another quick break and we'll be right back uh, in just a minute. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Missions show. Well, for me, it has been the normal life I have grown up, but because I cannot compare it to normal life, like comparing to the rest of the people. But um, since my parents got married, they were sent out as missionaries. So I have three other siblings and the four of us, we, we were born in different cities so um being a, a me, growing in a missionary family for me is a privilege number one and because i feel so honored to to serve god and so i've been involved in this environment my whole life and so that has caused in my life to to be willing to serve god for the rest of my life that's what I, it means for me if you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back with Chuck Huckabee. He just finished sharing a little bit of his heart and how God's been moving in his ministry and even some of the opportunities that he's seen. And, you know, these kind of things are, they're a process, right? God doesn't always give us the whole thing at once. So I'm really excited to hear that he not only has something that's working, but also he's recognizing where God's growing them. Now, as we enter this last section of our interview, though, we're going to shift our focus. We've been talking about him and his ministry, but now we're going to talk about you, about you as the listener. And Chuck, I am so excited to ask this question because of what you've been working on. What would you say to somebody who's called into the marketplace, but they're looking around and they're starting to wonder if what they do in the, in the marketplace really matters for the kingdom? Um, hmm, that question, and I'm not sure how to answer it. I know that, like I said, I've been bivocational, and there have been times when I really wondered. Um, I had one job where I was helping laid-off workers, and uh, so that's a really great transition point, but I was also working in a setting where having a, a gospel conversation seemed very uh, difficult, and so... Uh, it, it always seems harder than it should be. It should be that we should be able to open up the shop and people come in and throw money at us so we can have this vibrant business and then get to talk about Jesus all we want. It should be easy, but it's never easy, uh, as easy as it should be. I guess that's part of being in a fallen world. And I, I guess I guess if you feel like your work in uh, the marketplace isn't benefiting the kingdom, uh, I guess that's something I would have to talk with someone about on an individual uh, basis and maybe uh, find ways that we could uh, 
tweak it. Um, I think that's sort of on a case-by-case basis. I, I certainly feel the frustration um, and and sometimes all sometimes the frustration is good because it makes you cry out to God. I remember uh, before I moved to uh, Texas, I was in a church in uh, uh, Tennessee. I was a bivocational pastor. I stayed at this church for five years, and I felt uh, God uh, wanting. I, I just I guess I had a little mission statement for myself. I wanted to find at least twelve ways to touch the world from that little town in uh, Tennessee. And I'm not sure I ever found him. But it made me, uh, I guess, ask, seek, and knock. So I guess I'd say, uh, report frustration and ask God to show you how to make it work. Um, And you may be casting around and looking for different things. And you may find something finally that helps a lot of other people. But whatever you do, don't just try to, uh, give up. Just keep at it. Um, I guess if you feel like your work's not uh, benefiting the kingdom and you're a human trafficker, well, probably you're right. Maybe you just need another job. But uh, for most of us, we're in a cubicle, right? We're in an office. We're talking to people. And it just seems like we're so busy doing our, our job that we don't really have those spiritual conversations. Just keep looking. Just keep asking God for a way to touch the world from what you're, where you are. Even, even if God doesn't answer your prayer in the way that think he's gonna, um, you never know how he will. That's all I can say. What would you share with somebody if they look up one day and they realize that their neighbors, their coworkers, the people they see in the grocery store aren't from here. They're from places where maybe five years ago we thought only missionaries would ever meet someone from there. Well, um, I think I live in a town that used to be all German. If you were Anglo and you moved here and you walked into a store, this was probably 40 years ago, you would be addressed in German, even by the Latino employees. So, uh over time, our town has become had all these foreigners move in, and I'm one of the one of those foreigners. So uh, that sort of situation has happened a lot of times. If it happens to you, all you can do is ask God, "Hey, how do I take advantage of this opportunity?" Uh, how do I uh, befriend this person? I guess the, first, uh, the other day I walked into a donut shop and I heard someone speaking in a foreign language. It, the person was Asian. I couldn't tell what the language was, um, Chinese, but I didn't know what it was. So I went back to the donut shop and I said, is this a chain? And they go. the lady goes, no, it's owned by a Cambodian family. And I saw that same girl in there, so now I know, oh, they're Cambodian. So um, eating eating donuts in the name of missions probably isn't a good strategy for me. <laughs> but, uh, but at least I can a- ask enough questions in a sort of, you know, non-intrusive way uh, that now I know I can 
get some background information on Cambodia from a missionary resource, maybe from a missionary or church supports or from Wikipedia or from, you know, David Garrison or something like that or whatever. And now I can know that um, maybe how to go a little bit farther. Uh, even in our place that once was all German, we've got a Buddhist temple. We have a mosque. You know, we have the uh, Latter-day Saints and Jehovah's Witnesses. Who knows Who knows what we have that we can't see a building? So uh, that situation is uh, more frequent than ever. Just ask questions, look for resources, and try to work from there. That's all I can say. Okay. And again, you know, Chuck has talked about making a a resource available to you. We are going to have that linked up in the show notes. Is there an, any other internet resources you might recommend for our listeners, Chuck? Well, if you're looking, uh, if you're looking for a way to start on a uh, path to becoming a disciple maker, uh, I'm going to check out this website right now. Contagious uh, disciple making by uh, Paul Watson is a good resource. He's a missionary I've worked with and supported. He's His is the model that I use for this brochure um, that I leave with people. It's uh, uh, But he has a 90-day email course to help you sort of break out of your shell and try to start talking with people. So if next tomorrow someone moves in from another country or, or just whoever moves in, you can go to ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com and you can access your 90-day email course so that you can have little baby steps you can take each day to help you become a disciple maker and help you reach out to your neighbor or people in the coffee shop or you know wherever you find yourself in the marketplace. So that's a good resource. Um, in fact, 90 days, it may push you so hard you go, I think I better do this over 360 days. I'll just take one step every four days or yeah. one step a week, whatever it takes. But it's a good resource, too. Okay. And do you have a launch date for your book? When will your book be available? Yes, I've had several. Okay. And getting pushed back farther and farther. Right now, I'm trying to uh, finalize the text and the thing that changes is I keep adding more on the active outreach side. Hmm. So I'm trying to finalize the text, get it edited, and get a, a copy editor and some covering, so a cover for it. So uh, if you go to secretsignalsbook.com and the book is not for sale, your listeners will know to keep praying for me in that regard. <laughs> All right. So hopefully, a few, hopefully a month or two down the road. All right. Well, that sounds great. So yeah, I would totally recommend that you go and check this out, find out if his book is out. It might not be out by the time this interview goes up because we're, uh, we're recording this in advance, but it's probably going to be about four or five weeks or so until this is published. So unless it's published in the next few weeks, you might stop by and just sign up for the, the free download and you'll be letting everybody know when the book's available, right? Sure. Yeah. So, and, and I think you also mentioned that you were going to have an option to get it free probably at the beginning. Is that, is that what I remember? Um, I don't know how that works on Kindle. I'm publishing it as a Kindle book first, just okay. so it's so accessible. And there's some time frame that 
where you can offer it for a small price at first, and then after you've sold so many, you can uh, offer it for uh, your free period, and that's uh, that's what it'll that's. I'll be telling them about the low price and the free by the email announcement system. I'll also be sending out other information uh, on what we're finding down the road too. Oh, good deal! Yeah, I so hope it's an ongoing resource. Excellent. So yeah, definitely go sign up. Get get that as an option. Find out when it's low cost, when it's free. Support what he's doing. If you find it valuable, make sure you let other people know about this opportunity to minister to people where they are, to find that way to meet people, especially if you've been a believer a long time, to meet people who aren't in your church right now. Chuck, we're just about done. I know you've got a wedding to do this afternoon. I've got another interview. Do you have maybe a parting piece of advice or something you'd like to share with our listeners before we go? You know, you asked the question, would Jesus be on social media? I think the answer is yes. Uh, there's so, it's so, we live in a world where people can listen to a radio station of their own choosing. We're so, there's, we're so segmented, so isolated that it's very hard to draw people into a, it'd be hard for John Wesley to preach to a bunch of people in the fields these days because everybody's in their own car on the highway, right? Mm -hmm. But where the people are right now is on social media. There's a way to use it, uh, whether it's Facebook, whether it's the Nextdoor app that's based on your own little community. There's ways that we can be finding people that we don't know today in ways we can engage them so that we can have a conversation that has a possibility to introduce them to Jesus Christ and enter, have them follow him. And so we need to be seeking those out. We need to be the church that goes instead of a church that waits for people to come. Uh, it's fine when they come. We're not locking the doors, but we need to be a church that goes too. And social media is a way for introverted people, people who don't feel they're evangelists, to have a way to help in the work of the church to reach out to people and so that we can be leading them to Jesus Christ. And so that's that's what the purpose of the book is. And Thanks for letting me tell people that. Oh, absolutely. Ordinarily, right now, I'd be asking Chuck for some contact information if people wanted to connect with him, but I really want you to go and check out some of the free resources that he has. When you sign up for, to receive some of those, you'll get some emails, and you can reply to those, right, Chuck? I know I have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you, I'll be glad to. so you can totally connect with Chuck that way. I would recommend that you do that. I think that you'll like some of the stuff that he shares, so I think it's worthwhile. Otherwise, I wouldn't push you that direction. Chuck, thank you so much for being here. This has been a true pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'll send you some more stuff for the show notes, and uh, I really appreciate getting to talk with you and your audience today. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.